Well, good morning and welcome to Keystone. I'm so glad you guys are here with us on Labor Day weekend. If you're here in person, I am so glad that you came out. If you guys are watching online, I hope you're enjoying either a sleepy Sunday or wherever you're at. So my name's Ryan King. It's my honor and privilege to be able to teach this morning. Um, and I'm really excited what God has to teach us here this morning. So I'm going to jump right in. So when I was in high school, when I was in my freshman year of high school, I went on my very first mission trip. And I was so excited for this mission trip. We were heading to Jamaica, which was just this far off distant land I, had no, I knew nothing about. I was excited. I was going with my best friends. My brother was going to be on the trip. I still remember raising money for it. I put all of my change into the change jar. And I was just like, it was going to be an incredible, incredible trip. And then we went on it. And it was such a phenomenal experience. And I was digging through the archives that is Facebook. And I found this awesome picture for you guys. Mm-hmm. It's incredible how buff I was for a freshman. It's just like, wow. And I broke that pickaxe, and I wasn't sure if I was going to share the photo because the sleeves are cut off, and that's a little, little risque, a little dangerous. So um, if that's a little bit too tempting, pull it down. Pull it down, quick. Um, so it was an incredible experience. There were so many cool things that happened on that trip. And one of the things that has always stuck with me since then was our trip theme or our trip verse. It was kind of this thing that we, we circled around and we thought about. And it was uh, the verse from Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And honestly, as a high schooler, I had no idea like what that really was. I was just like, yeah, man, like that sounds so brave and courageous and cool. Like, let's go, like send me. As a high-strung high schooler, I had no idea what the context was. And I honestly really didn't care a whole lot about it. But, but what's really interesting is I think though I didn't understand the context, I at least understood the heart of it. Because, and we all know this, it's always in retrospect that we start to see how valuable things are in our life. And this Jamaica trip was so phenomenal. It was so life-like transformative for me because it was on this trip that I really encountered God for the first time. I had an experience with the divine. And I remember where I was, I was sitting on this concrete wall late at night with a couple of my close friends. We watched as uh, clouds and the storm rolled in through over the mountains and stars were in the sky. And I had this experience where like, I felt God and I was like, this, this is real. And since that point, I wouldn't be on this stage if I hadn't had that experience. So as a youth pastor now, working alongside with Caitlin, one of the things that we love doing is taking our kids on different surf trips. This summer, we went on three different trips, and it was an awesome experience with different groups of students. We all served and loved, and I can only reimagine and relive the excitement that our students feel as they sign up for these trips, and, and they see if their friends are going, and, and they think about their destination. We went to Wisconsin or South Carolina or Guatemala, and they think about what is this experience going to be like? And I kind of put myself back into the shoes of that freshman 2009, and I think about, man, I bet some of them, they don't understand the full context. Like, they probably don't understand the full why. But again, I love that they have the heart to go and serve. 
Because you guys are smart people. We all, know, we all know this. It's always in retrospect. We see how God is transforming us inside so that we might serve and transform the outside. That we might love a little bit stronger on the outside. And there are countless stories from this trip that I think about how God came in, how the divine, like our students were able to meet with that experience. And one of them from our Guatemala trip, we were on a, it was a late night um, and our students were gathered around and we had this small group and we were just talking about life and talking about challenges and talking about just things that they were dealing with. And, and I remember just the brave soul that spoke up and started talking about how she saw herself and her self-image and how she just felt she could never overcome that darkness in her and that she just felt just crushed by expectations. And what ended up happening was this snowball effect. As students said, one of my favorite things, me too, I understand. And as love started to pour in and their community started to love them, you could see the light of Christ shining in that situation and more students started to share. So today, I'm really excited because our theme and our, like, kind of our title, because they let me do my own thing, which for, like, Keystone staff is always a roll of the dice to let Ryan do what he wants, but um, is beyond the shadows. And, and that's where I wanted to take us today, too, is what does it mean to live a life where we step beyond the shadows into something far more brilliant? And I'm really, really excited about that. So I chose this story. There's this story in the Bible that I think is one of the craziest, weirdest, best like stories of all time. It is honestly like so strange. And I really want to kind of like, like prepare you for what we're about to experience today because it's a cool story, but there's a lot of moments in it where you're like, did that, was that real? Did that actually happen? So I kind of like, if you're a Christian, I kind of again want to lay the foundation of what we believe because we are a, a faith that puts our trust in a man that said he was the son of God who died on the cross, came back to life, and, and, and still today has experiences with people around the world, right? That's something unbelievable. But if you've been following Jesus for a while, you know it's undeniable in your life. And it's, again, that's a crazy thing that a, a man died three days later, came back to life. But if we can root ourselves there, then we can start to experience the fullness of today's story and the fullness of life. Because as Christians, where we put our faith and trust is where we have experienced grace and love. As Christians, where we find our hope and our purpose is where we have experienced something bigger than ourselves. As Christians, Jesus is the core to everything we believe. And then as we move out from there, we can start to believe some of these crazy things like today's story. So if you're not a Christian and you're here today, whether your Mima brought you wrong, she's like, we're going to church today. And you're like, no. And you're here today. I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're just like, man, I just want to have some free popcorn and hang out. Popcorn's a spiritual experience. I'm glad you're here today as well. But I think even if you don't fully believe this Christian thing or Jesus, or you're not fully committed in yet, I think today's story, there's some inherent truth that you can take with you as you leave the doors. I think there's truth for all of us this morning. So let's dive in. We're going to dive into the book of Luke this morning. And I love Luke um, because he starts it out, he starts his book in such a brilliant way that sets up like the rest of his story. And he says, I, Luke, I'm writing this book and I'm writing. And if you're looking for a name for a child, this is the best name. He's writing to his colleague, Theopolis. And I'm like, that's so fancy. Theopolis. And he says, hey, I went and I met with eyewitness accounts. I talked with people and, and I'm writing this account of Jesus's life so that we might have a full understanding of what actually went on. 
So keep that in the back of your mind as we start our story. And we're in the middle of Jesus's kind of mission work and service and love um, right in Luke 8. So we start with verse 26. It says this, Jesus and his disciples sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So Jesus takes his disciples in the boat and they go across the tracks. They go to that, that other place. And our students experience this too when they go to those other places and have their expectations blown. These disciples were in for the same thing. See, these disciples were all from small villages, kind of podunk towns, like imagine Lowell. Um, <laughs> Um, so, like, they're from, like, one stoplight towns. So they got, like, their synagogue, a couple houses. That's it. That's all they're from. And the, the, uh, the land of the Gerasenes, like, across the Lake of Galilee, that was, their, that was Roman culture. That was big cities, Roman soldiers. That was, like, the other of others. See, good Jewish boys, they didn't go over there. But what we find about Jesus is he always, go, he always goes over there. See, Gerasenes means the exiled ones. It's the others. It's the pagans. It's the people who are nothing like us, the in crowd. And Jesus always goes out to reach them. So the story continues and it says this. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met... It's fun. By a demon-possessed man from the town. And I was thinking about this. I was like, I mean, who hasn't stepped outside their cars, felt the sunshine, the birds tweeting, their regular run-of-the-mill demon-possessed man, and gone about their day, right? Like, casual occurrence for all of us, I'm assuming. We know what he's talking about here. And it gets better because it says this. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes, so the dude's just butt naked, right? Which makes us great. Like, you imagine, like, the disciples are there, and they're, like, peeking their head over the boat, and there's just this naked dude, and Jesus is talking to him. It's great. Nor did he live in a house, but lived in the tombs. And I love that, because tombs is like, that's the cemetery. That's the graveyard, right? So all those stories you tell about, like, haunted houses and things like that, this town would have told the story of the haunted, like, graveyard with the demon-possessed man. And here he is. It's a Halloween story like ready to be made into a movie, right? I, I love this. And, and he's cast out. And when the, the man sees Jesus, he cried out and fell at Jesus' feet, shouting at the top of his voice. And I was thinking of doing like a demon voice this morning. Like, I'm super good at screamo, if you didn't know that. Um, because like, God, like Bob's got that God voice. And I was like, I could pull off a demon voice. But then I was like, there's going to be children here. We'll just scrap that. So the, the demon guy says, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And I love that, again, because those disciples who are probably cowering in that boat trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out who Jesus is. They're trying to figure out what this man is all about. How does he do such incredible miracles? Who is he? But the demons know exactly who he is. He is the son of the most high God. Continues, I beg you, he says, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. 
continues to say, many times it had seized him. So we kind of get this backstory. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon to solitary places. And I want you guys, again, these are, there's going to be all these like little, like little hints and little things that are going to come along that are going to pull the story together. Keep in mind the solitary places. He was isolated. He was alone. He was driven from his community and lived in this place. Again, I love, I just love, and we can't miss this, that the demon knows exactly who Jesus is, what authority Jesus has. He knows the power and the purpose that Jesus is living into. And Jesus asks him a simple question here, and it gets spookier. I love what Jesus says this, Jesus what is your name? And then the guy's like, Legion. I had to do one, I had to do one. So like, that's spooky, like that's kind of weird. He replied, because many demons had gone into him. And there's a little bit of historical context here because a Roman legion, if you know your Roman history, was about 6,000 soldiers. So that makes many demons a little bit spookier to think, well, like, is this 6,000 demons? And what's even more interesting is in the town, the Roman 6th legion was stationed there. I'm going to throw you another one of those little things that's going to come along. And that Roman legion, in terms of needing supplies and what they ate, would have eaten pig. So hold on to that. Story continues on. And they begged Jesus. So now it's they. It's not even like, it's not even the man. They, the demons, legion, begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And I love this. I love this. It's like a glimpse at that, like, that divine world that we don't really fully know. Because the abyss in Jewish culture, when God created the world in, uh, in the beginning of time, he separated all things from the chaotic abyss, from the chaotic waters, if you will. Like that's how the Jewish people people thought about it. So then for this demon to come along and be like, don't throw me back into the abyss of things that were like chaotic before creation, before like, like he's like, don't, don't do that to me. I don't want to revert to like this state of just chaos um, in the abyss, which is kind of spooky. So it continues on and he says this, a large, Luke says this, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. Again, Jesus always has complete and total authority in these situations. So we finish up, and, and, and we, we get to figure out what happens next. So they beg him, he gives them permission, and when the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, weird, and they, the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. So again, we get this like set of just like kind of crazy things. When the demons came out of the man, straight up exorcism, weird. They went into the pigs. How does that happen? Strange. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And I love, that, I love the detail of the lake because, again, Jewish audiences would have, wouldn't have missed that Jesus cast them back into the chaotic waters, back into the abyss. Again, Jesus always has complete and total authority. And what also is important to notice, again, this is a herd of pigs that would have numbered about a legion. And that's no small number of pigs. So in this moment, and this is the detail that we don't get if we're just reading straight through, Jesus collapses part of the economy of that city. 
because here goes all of their protein sources. Pigs were an unclean animal. So Jesus is almost making this political statement in this one act. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's, it's, it's insane how much authority Jesus has and how he always knows exactly what he is doing. The story goes on in 36. It says this. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went to see what had happened. Whenever you see something mind-blowing or crazy, like if there's just like a good deal at Target or you see like a car crash, like you always want to tell your friends about it. You're like, yo, this happened. Yo, there's this sale. Like when big things happen in our life, our natural reaction is go and share. So this big thing happens. Thousands of pigs are killed, cast out. This man now is like, like exercise. So people see this and they go to the countryside, they go to the town, they people, tell people about it, and everybody comes back together to witness this really, really interesting scene. Can you flip to the next slide for me? When they came to Jesus, they found the man whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. I love the detail of just like he was dressed because on a practical level, it's like who's just carrying around like some robe and underwear for this dad and like throw on because he was naked before. But it's an important detail because in Jewish culture, nakedness was complete and total shame. Again, nakedness, and even for today, like if somebody was naked here in church, it'd be very shameful and we're real weird, right? Like shame was associated with nakedness. And today I think about even in terms of nakedness, in terms of like, um, like our emotions or our mental state. We guard ourselves, we protect ourselves, we keep ourselves fully clothed and closed in to avoid shame, to avoid bearing some of those naked emotions and some of those thoughts that we have. We always keep it contained. And what's interesting is he's in his right mind. He's been restored completely and he's sitting at Jesus' feet, which means he's learning and he's listening to Jesus. And the reaction of the people is the reaction we would probably have as well, being afraid. And then this little part of the story ends with this statement. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. The people who had seen it are probably the people telling Luke this exact same story. Again, when we see, when we experience things that are mind-blowing, we can't help but to share that with people. And, and this is something that I love, again, is that word cured at the end, is that when we have an encounter with Jesus, when we really meet Jesus where he's at and he meets us where we are at, our life is radically changed. If you've been touched by God, your life is different. Jesus healed the worst of the worst. Imagine what he can also do for us. And, and as I was making this talk today, um, I was really excited for our big idea. I was just like, this is going to be so good. Uh, and our big idea today is, and this is like, ah, uh, yes, sensei. Faith is energized when exercised. Tell your work friends that one. They'll be like, what the heck's going on? That church is weird. Um, so like, faith is energized when exercised. And what I mean about that is, yes, exorcism has a connotation of like demons and spooky spiritual stuff. But it, what also means is to get rid of something troublesome or menacing or oppressive. 
But because sometimes the demons in our lives can look a little bit differently than the demons in this story. Think about those accidents and the mistakes of the tragedies and the wounds and the circumstances, of the things that you have done that you know that you shouldn't have done. It's these ghosts, these demons that whisper in our ear. Some of these things we've tried chaining deep into our past, deep into the like, depths of who we are, but consciously and subconsciously, they come out and terrorize us. And they start to change our actions and how we treat the people that we should love the most. And they start to drive us into solitary places. See, when I encounter my greatest struggles in life, and I assume you're similar to me, is when I encounter my greatest struggles, I start to think and live into thoughts like this. Nobody knows my suffering. Nobody even cares. Or I have to do this all on my own. We drive ourselves into isolation because of the pain and the darkness that we experience. And that's why I love today's theme is because we are actually called to move beyond the shadows, beyond the darkness, beyond the things that are terrorizing us and threatening to drag us down and threatening to pull away from the fullest life that we have to live. So on every trip that we took with our students, there was this Wednesday night activity, and I love, I love Wednesday night activities. They're always so, so cool. So the, the, the mission group had put together a great night of teaching and of worship. And then afterwards, our kids were challenged to write down on a piece of notebook paper a sin, a burden, a demon, a darkness. And then I take that and to nail it physically to the cross. And there was always an air of solemnness to this. There was always something special in this moment. From high schooler to middle schooler, they fully understood what this meant that their brokenness was going to be put onto that cross. And it was their nail, it was their brokenness that drove the hands and the feet of Christ to the cross. It's our brokenness and our hurt and our shadows that drive Christ to the cross. And he still and willingly offers that level of compassion and grace to you today, similar to what our students experienced. But we, and this is something so key, we have to willingly and humbly step into that because there is something about taking that nail and thinking about how that nail drove Christ our Savior to the cross. There's something humble about that moment of knowing that it is my brokenness that is doing this to somebody who is innocent. And we have to be willing to step into that because Jesus willingly offers it, but it's a free choice. And I love this. Jesus makes one of the coolest statements about himself in John where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have eternal life. Are we willing to embrace light? Because here's the thing. If you've ever like gotten up at midnight to go get yourself like a good midnight snack from the fridge and you like walk over and you open up the door and you're like, and like the light hits you in the face, right? And it's like blinding. Or if we turned on all the brights in this room, like everybody would be like, oh, like, oh, what's going on, right? When, when we encounter light from darkness, we're always blinded by that. We always are like, we're, we're, we're like, oh, I wanna go back to the darkness. Like this is too bright. This is too painful. This hurts too much. And it's the same with our darkness. We always wanna go back to the darkness because the light is too painful. 
See, when we hung out with our students, I told them, I said, hey, you have to understand that nailing your sin to the cross is not just a one-time thing. Because I, and I think all of us do this, I go, I walk over to the cross and I pull that sin, that darkness, that burden, that brokenness off the cross and I bear it all over again. Because I want to go back to the darkness. I go, Christ, I don't know if I can trust you with this. Christ, I don't know if if you can handle this. So I'm going to do it on my own. Jesus said it is finished when he was on the cross. But sometimes we're not willing to let him finish the race for us. So one thing that I started thinking about, and I went down to the basement to grab some, is carrying around a pocket full of nails, right? Because here's the, here's the reality of what I need to do in my life, is when I sense that I am pulling that thing back off of me, when I pull myself into isolation, I have to go, Jesus, I'm so sorry, and nail that sin back into the cross. And when I go back and I pull that off again, I do another nail and I say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. And it's only by continuing to nail things to the cross that I can ever find life change. Because here's so, this is what's so cool. Faith is energized when exercised. Faith is energized when we we take those demons in our life and we put them somewhere else. But we also have a resurrection to live into. We have a full life to live into. And there's a resurrection for the man in this story because the story continues and it says this. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. And I don't know why they had this fear. They were overcome with fear. I don't know why they experienced this level of fear. Maybe it was because he was so powerful. Maybe it was because he was Jewish or they had like, he had killed off all of these pigs so the Roman government was gonna be super mad. But they asked him to leave, so he leaves. And I love what the man does next. The man from whom the demons had gone out of, again, we're reiterating this is not a small deal, begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away and he says something that's so powerful. He offers him just a choice. Return home and tell how much God has done for you. Just says, this is is what you need to do now. If you want to actually follow me, return home and tell how much God has done for you. And we get the last statement of the story, the last part of scripture for today. And it says, so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. We never learned his name. We never learn how that turned out for him. We, we, we never learn anything else about him. Just that his heart was in the right place as he went forth to love people. Like I love how the story ends with that. Because Jesus took this man who was in the darkest dark that's sometimes so hard for us to believe. Like did he actually have demons? How did that actually like happen? But Jesus took the darkness, cast it out, and just simply said, go and tell The guy probably didn't have a much in the way of theology. He didn't sit in like Sunday school learning all the scriptures from the Jewish like Bible and there was no Bible Bible around. So like he probably didn't know all of the answers. But he had been changed in a way that changed his life. So then he had a story to tell. He experienced something so big he had a story to tell because he was a blind man that now had the light. And he wanted just to share that light with other people. So the first part of our big idea today is faith is energized when exercised. And this is like 
I was so stoked about what's going to happen next. And you're going to be like, this wisdom is so, oh my gosh. So it goes, faith is energized when exercised. But the second part of it is faith is energized. That's right. When exercised. Oh, you can collective groan with me. Oh. I'm like, yes, sensei, you're so wise. Because here's the thing. The first part of it is for us to give what we have and then it's to give ourselves, right? It's the transformation inside so that we can go on the outside. Faith is energized when we exercise it. When you're playing a sport, you practice and you exercise so that you can be better when the, ca- when the game happens. Doing faith is as simple as going and telling. Because here's, this is what I love about that last detail is everyone in that town kicked Jesus out. But they left the like formerly demon-possessed man. They're like, you, you're good. Yeah, we'll keep the demon guy. Jesus, you peace out, right? And in our lives, God has given us a unique position in which we can love people. You're in the specific family you have for a reason. And sometimes that's hard to believe whether it's been bad or good. You have the specific friend group. You have the specific workplace for you to shine the light of Christ. But you have to be willing to step into that space. Because this demon-possessed man, he was the only light for Christ in that whole region. And Jesus said, hey, they don't want me, but they'll take you. So go and tell. Tell of your experience, your experience of exorcism, of healing, of renewal, of hope, of love. And Jesus offers us the same thing. So I think this, this talk can land in two ways. The first one is I think you might be sitting there and some of you might be thinking like, hey, I want Jesus to take my darkness. I have tried nailing it back to the cross over and over and over again and there is no movement in my life. Like where is Jesus then? And I think what's so important is for us to realize again, like the man in this story had demon possession probably for some time. And us too, we're going to have to experience darkness for some time, as bad as we might want the light. But again, as we said in the start, it's always in retrospect that we see how God is moving. So if you're in that space today, persevere. Keep going. Stay strong. Keep looking towards the light. Faith is energized when we exercise it. And then the second part, faith is energized when we exercise it. This is a new season. I love doing the Labor Day teaching because I believe this is like the true new year. Because you're looking towards school, things are ramping up, summer is over, like the relaxation, like that mindset, like we kind of set that behind us and we're going again. But this season has so many great opportunities for us to jump in. Again, who in your family needs an extra dose of love? Which of your friends have you not seen in a while? And you've been like, man, like, I should reconnect with them. Who at work do you need to give an extra level of grace to, right? Who are you uniquely positioned in your life to impact, to show love to? And also, don't be driven into solitary places. I love Keystone, and I think there's so many great opportunities in which we can find community, where we can go, hey, jump in. 
this season, there are more things happening at Keystone than any other time of the year. So I, I encourage you, if you're not already, jump into a small group, do the men's group or common ground or any of the different things. Serve in the coffee bar or in kids. Take that step to actually exercise your faith. Live into the resurrection, right? Go and tell. A specific challenge, again, I'm all about application. How can we take this and go outside the walls of Keystone and actually love the people that Jesus loves right now? And my challenge is just take, take your experience. How have you seen God? How has God moved in your life? Maybe like, if, like when you were saved and you have a testimony and that's the language you use. Share your story and your experience, maybe of church, with just one person this week. Because you never know how that could change that one person's life and ripple effect from there. And this is a lie that we can't believe, is that you don't need to know everything. You don't need to have all the right answers or Bible verses memorized. You don't need to be like active in your Bible or praying. Those things are great, but you don't need to have all of your life together to get moving. If I had to, like, if I waited for my life to be together to get moving, I would go nowhere. I'd probably start going backwards. My life is a hot mess. But we can't stop there because Jesus is more concerned with the direction that we are facing than where we are in the journey. He's saying, hey, I am the North Star that you just need to be facing. Cruise towards me and we'll work this thing as we go. And going back to 2009, freshman Ryan, I think maybe we just all need to learn a little bit about here I am, send me, right? Here I am in my brokenness and my hurt, and I'm giving these things to God, but send me, let me go. I don't know the context. I don't know the full why sometimes, but here I am, send me. I think the world will be a little bit better of a place and we'll experience a better life if we start to live into a here I am, send me mentality. If you guys can stand, we'll pray and I'll send you out on what I believe is the beautiful rainy day today. <laughs> Dear God, thank you so much for this story. I wonder like sometimes when they're doing the Bible, God, like I'm so thankful they kept this in, but like they could have totally scratched this out because it's so weird and it's so unexplainable and sometimes it's hard to believe. But God, when I think about the experiences I've had you, with you in my life, it's hard for me to believe that too, that you would love me, that you'd care for me, that you would allow me to continue to nail sins and brokenness and things I've done wrong to the cross over and over and over again. Because God, you knew for me, it wasn't gonna be just a one-time thing that I was gonna struggle. And I pray for the people here today that if they are in the struggle, if they are in the season of hurt, if they're in the season of trying to think, God, like, what's you, what are you doing? I need some light in my life. That you encourage them, God, that you are with them. God, as we all, ask, as we all just say, like, here I am. This is my present. This is my, my state of life. I pray that we have the courage to say, send me. Send me in my brokenness, in my hurt, because my faith will be energized and my life will be far more full when I live into your love. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. amen. Grace and peace to you guys. Have a fantastic Labor Day weekend.